You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hello, and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Amanda Katarzy out of Sarasota, Florida. Amanda is a genius copywriter. She's the founder of Inquiry Co. And basically, she's fancy with words. She's actually really, really good with words. I love looking at her stuff on social media. But before we bring Amanda on, we're going to spend some time talking about the importance of really good copy almost everywhere in your business and how sometimes we really struggle with it. And when I say we, I really mean me and mostly because of grammar. Well, I wouldn't say that. Um, I, I think that grammar is a smaller piece of copy than the actual message. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, of course, I get on your case about grammar all the time, but that's because I, I, it was drilled into my head at a very young age. Uh, you know, proper grammar, proper grammar, proper grammar. But, and sometimes I feel like you just make up rules as you go. <laughs> um, I am susceptible to new rules, right? But yeah, outside of that, not, I, I, we both have our strengths when it comes to the copy. Because uh, there's oftentimes where I'm, I'm writing a blog or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't even know where I was going with this. And I don't know how to end this. And I just pass it over to you. You finish this. <laughs> yes, that happens a lot. I forgot yeah. what I was talking about. <laughs> Can you finish this for me? Sometimes that happens to me too. And sometimes you write, write, write like a robot. Yes. And sometimes people like to read what robots write. <laughs> sometimes they do. You are correct. Um, I have been... Um, I will say this. I feel like our copy has gotten stronger Mm -hmm. um, since we started, but I, that probably has a lot to do with finding our voice. And I think, you know, a a few times in the last several months, people have asked us if we, if we write our own copy or who we pay to write our copy, which I take as a compliment, which means our copy is actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd take that as a compliment, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to my, my favorite story of, so a lot, like basically all the, I'd say 90% of what we write here at SB Pays, one of us writes it and the other person reviews it, edits it. And, and yeah, so, it's probably closer to 95%. But yeah. yeah. But, you know, most of the stuff is both both of our eyes are, are on it. Um, and my favorite story back to uh, this was sometime last summer. Um, I wrote something and you're just like, you're the only thing you respond to is like, who were you angry at when you wrote this <laughs> blog? But you know that's oh i know you were so mean in it <laughs> yeah i was just i i'm not even like trying to be mean but apparently i was just very very uh condescending to the reader <laughs> yes i remember one of my favorite stories of us writing i think it was when we were writing the book and you know we went through so many back and forth like iterative review process on that book that i literally read um i wrote it handed it to you, you reviewed and edited, added more meat to it, which is the way that we wrote the book, right? We basically did like a, a sort of a brain dump and then, yeah, I, and, yeah. Yes. And then, but we got to the point where you sent something back to me and I was like, 
I don't like the way you wrote this at all. And you were like, you wrote that. <laughs> I was like, oh, but I also, you know, which is kind of funny and, and speaks to, I do think a lot of times when I read things now, I can't tell which one of us wrote it, right? I, I cannot tell because both of our eyes have been on it and we are, we're, our writing styles are different, but the edited version is definitely this morphed version of both of us yeah. that's put into words, right? Like I looked at the blog that came out, um, you know, the other day at one of our blogs and I was like, I don't even remember who wrote this blog and I read it, but I do, I don't know if it's, is it, is it egotistical to say that I enjoy reading what we wrote? Mm, I don't know. I don't know what I would call that. Narcissistic, maybe? No, I don't think it's narcissistic. Is it weird? I don't know. I don't like reading anything after I'm done. I know you don't read our blogs. You don't listen to our podcast. I I have to listen to it once. And that's when it gets edited. And then I have to be there in person for it. That's twice. Yes. I'm done after that. Um, But back to the importance of good copy. So I think that's one of those things that a lot of people, they don't understand that if they're not good at it, that it's something that they should definitely pay for. It's like having a good logo. Just because your 14-year-old niece is an artist doesn't mean that she knows how to make a good logo. And just because you know how to string a few sentences together doesn't mean that you know how to write good copy. That's true. That's that's absolutely true. And it, at the very least, like buy yourself some books on copy. If you're not going to pay someone to write your copy for you, then educate yourself a little bit on what qualifies as good copy. And good copy changes from like, you know, what you write for our show notes is very different than copy that we would put on a sales page or put in a blog or put on an Instagram post. It's different all over the place, just depending on like who the audience is and what the intention is of the copy. Like, I feel like when it comes to social media, LinkedIn excluded, grammar out the door, don't care. Yeah. And the only reason you say that is because you know that I'm not looking at it. That is correct. That is correct. (laughs) I am safe. That is a safe zone for me because I know you're not looking. Yes. And also you wouldn't know if it was me or Nicole that was doing it. Yeah. And also I don't care because I understand that social media is, you know, for idiots, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Oops. No. Did I really say that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting though. And um, I think, you know, we recently learned the value of a really well, of really well-written sales copy, like our sales pages. And um, I feel like that's some of the strongest copy that we have, but it took us a long time to get there. That wasn't a, we didn't have that when we first started. No. And I, I like it, it I, there's so many other pieces that go into it too, because there's like the strong sales, like the convincing that sales conversation, the, the, the pitch and all of that, but then you also need to consider the SEO that needs to go into it. You know, the, the personality, the character, who's the audience. Like there's a lot of things that you need to consider when you're writing copy. It's not, Oh, the who, what, when, where, whatever, why. Yeah. What emotion are you trying to evoke? So let me ask you a question. So we think of copy, but let's think about it from, you know, being the recipient of copy in your inbox. Right. Yeah. Like you get emails. Are there certain emails where you're like, oh, I'll click on that. I'll keep that because of the way the headline is written versus nope, delete, delete, delete. For me, it's the subject. If that subject doesn't grab me in the first like five words, done. Done. Right. Yeah. The subject is really important on emails. Is it the same? What about super long text messages? Because that's that's copy. Um, I don't like them 
Because if you have that many words to type, it should be either in an email or in a conversation, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, that was I was I was testing him there to see if I should be calling more, or walking across the street more. Or... Email, just email everything. <laughs> hey, that's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well let's um, let's wrap up and take a quick break, and then bring Amanda in. I'm excited to learn what she has to teach us about strong copy. All right, we'll see you after the break. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our newest course called Time Bomb. If you're ready to take control of your calendar, this course is for you. We guide you through all the steps you need to understand where you're spending your time, what your time is worth, and how to build out your days and weeks so that you can add more value to your business or just spend that time enjoying life. We have three options for you. The course, a bundle which includes products designed to help you become more efficient with your time, and a boot camp where you'll get time in a small group setting to get the personalized help you need. Head on over to sbpace.com to learn more. Time Bomb, take control of your calendar, gain control of your life. Welcome back to the show. We've got Amanda Katarzy with us now. She's out of Sarasota, Florida, and she is a genius with words. She's a copywriter, and we're really excited to have her on the show today. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited to talk about words. I like talking about words. They're, they're one of my favorite things. Yes. Well, it's coming from two people who have to create a lot of content, it's always good to get some hot tips on how, how words work and how, what's best for creating what would be considered really good copy, right? So excited to dig into it. But before we get moving, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your business and what prompted you to start it during a global pandemic? Because I know that's what happened. Sure. Yeah, I was actually writing. I've been writing for quite a long time for a lot of nonprofits as I've been in the social work realm. So if you ever work for a nonprofit, you know, when you work for a nonprofit, you do 20 million different things. And so writing was one of those. I managed all their social media. I wrote all their collateral. So um, I've been doing that for the past seven years. And then during the pandemic, there were just some really um big hangups and a lot of politics that came with us gambling with children's lives. And I just couldn't be a part of that anymore. So I quit and I just kept writing. So got rid of the government and uh, just did my own thing. Best decision I've ever made. <laughs> nice. Nice. So was it, um, how was it at first when you were first starting up with the business? Absolutely terrifying. Uh, so it was scary, but I had a really fantastic support group, a couple of entrepreneurs who really just were cheering me on and telling me to go for it and kind of walked me through the process. So I did a lot of trial and error with Upwork, with Fiverr to try to get the ground underneath my feet to be like, okay, price range and how do all this work and how do people actually charge for copywriting and whatnot. And that gave me a lot of context. So after a couple gigs on there, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing and I'm actually really good at this. So that gave me the confidence to move forward. And within a couple of months, I was making double what I was making as a social worker, which is a lot to brag about, but it's something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you were just above the poverty line then. <laughs> yeah, just, yes. oh yeah, just above it. <laughs> well, that's great. Congratulations. And I know, you know, a lot of people when they're starting, it takes them a little bit longer than that to get moving. But I think your process for starting was smart to you to leverage Upwork and Fiverr and see, you know, what, what kind of, work was available, what people were mm -hmm. charging, what services were being bundled together, that type of stuff. So that's, yeah. that's a smart way to start. 
Yeah. What kind of, me, sorry, help me understand like the lingo because like I've been writing for so long, but what does a one sheet mean? What does sales copy mean versus content writing? And it helped give me, put all those things in their places, even though I knew how to do them. I didn't know all the terminology. So it really helped uh, lay that foundation like you were saying. What kind of work are you doing now and, and who are you working for? So my normal client is usually a solopreneur. Uh, or a coach. And so what I do is I help manage their messaging. So that can look like copy, that can look like social media, that can be managing their YouTube or their podcasts. Uh, so I do a lot of podcast summaries as well, but making sure their message as a whole is super clear, uh, super transparent and straight to the point. Because uh, I believe the kindest thing you can do for someone is to be a clear communicator. I like that. I do. I really like that. And I agree. And a lot of people are not good at communication. No, I think we're seeing that on a widespread scale right now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fair. That would be very fair. So are you, what's your, been your process for um, finding clients, right? As a new entrepreneur, solopreneur, what do you, what sort of approach beyond fiber and Upwork, what have you been doing? Yeah, I've actually moved off Fiverr and Upwork just because as I grew, it wasn't giving me the type of client that I was really looking to have. Because, you know, you start out at a certain level and as you grow, you're wanting a client who has uh, a more of an abundance mindset and who sees the value in what you have to offer. So as I grew, I moved off of those platforms and I started targeting, targeting LinkedIn a lot more and Instagram. So those are my two places that I generate the most almost the majority of all my business from. And so people are really able to see how I write through my posts. Uh, and then I also do a lot of cold DMing that converts really well, shockingly well. I'm actually still kind of shocked by it right now. <laughs> wow, so that's interesting. And cold, <laughs> that's my least favorite thing about LinkedIn is the amount of cold um, sales pitches that land in my inbox. So I'm assuming yeah. is your process probably a little bit more crafted than that, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, your copy sucks, you need me, which works for some people, but um, I come on there and I just start a conversation about their business because I'm genuinely interested in them and in their business. I don't lead with, I'm a copywriter, I'm here to save you, no. I lead with what's going on, how can I help you as a fellow business owner? And maybe they don't need a copywriter right now, but maybe they need a web designer or a consulting, you know, business consulting agency. So then I give them those referrals to build that relationship and build trust. And then when they need a copywriter, guess who they're going to come to? Wow. Makes sense. Yeah. I have adopted this new technique on LinkedIn that I need to scale back from a little bit or pretty soon people are going to start seeing screen grabs of my messages everywhere on the internet. Because when people just directly message me and say, Hey, would you like to jump on a call and I can talk to you about how you can, um, let me give an actual example that happened recently. Hey, do you want to jump on a call and I can talk to you about how you can um, better leverage onboarding videos in your Instagram profile so that you can actually attract the right people to you? I reply back and say, no, thanks. Hey, do you want to jump on a call so that I can teach you sales techniques so that you can actually <laughs> land clients? There you go. That's awesome. That's a great opportunity for them. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, clearly you don't know how to sell. 
And I'm like, right. oh, people are going to be like, she's an asshole. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's all about relationship, right? It is. So, and you have to be genuine in that relationship. We all know when someone's trying to sell to us. We all know it. So you're not fooling anybody with any trickery or any crafty wording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's been the hardest part about, what's the hardest part for you on writing copy for other people? Ooh, that's a great question. Nobody normally asks me that. Um, I think it's just about attaining, really morphing to their voice. So I have my own sassy, you know, large personality voice that I have, but really um, conforming to their voice and helping them find their true voice in the midst of that. Because a lot of people are communicating through layers whether someone told them that they're not funny or someone told them, you know, stay in your lane, they're communicating through these like veils. And so when I come on with somebody, it actually kind of turns into a social work experiment where I'm peeling back these layers to get to their true identity and help them really use their true voice. So that's probably the most uh, time consuming part of the process of onboarding with me. Do, well, so it sounds like it, it, you're kind of like a character actor first. Like you got to you got to think like, okay, I'm working with this client now. This is how I have to think. But do you work with your clients in terms of getting them to also speak and write in their voice? Because one of the things that Julie and I, like we've always said is that what we write and like how we appear on the internet and, and our podcast or everything else, like that's what you should expect on a phone call with us. Mm -hmm. We don't want any surprises. We don't want to come across as fake or or whatever it is, you know, too personable when we're really not, or, you know, et cetera. <laughs> um, One of us is personable. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So do you, do you also coach your clients and how to, to keep yeah. that voice that you've created for them essentially? So a lot of times our first conversation does entail of, Hey, I'm not trying to make you codependent on me. I'm trying to empower you. So you don't need me unless you just don't have time. The only reason you really should be hiring me after a month of working with me is because you just don't have time. It shouldn't be because you don't know how to write. It shouldn't be because you don't know how to create genuine, awesome, organic content because I should have taught you all that within a month. Um, so we always have that kind of conversation of I'm empowering you to, to utilize your voice, to understand that people love stories, people love the raw, people love the unfiltered stuff. And how can we get that through your brand as a business owner while maintaining a sense of authority and branding as well? It's, it's a little, you know, you got to walk this line like a balance beam with it. Yeah, that is, I love that. I think copy is, if you are not, I think copy is one of the hardest things to, to learn to be really good at, right? But mm -hmm. it's also, I would argue one of the most important parts of your day-to-day -day business is having really good copy, right? Like you need oh, yeah. to have something that connects with people through words and you have to be able to do it really fast, really fast. So what are, what are some um, hacks that you use for being able to connect quickly with words and get people to keep reading? Sure, um, one of the things is uh, write like you talk people never write in perfect English ever. So it's funny because when I first started writing for people, they would run it through their Grammarly after I gave it to them or whatever. And they'd be like, there's 10 typos. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's not about perfect grammar. It's about being communicating effectively. 
and that looks different than perfect English. Nobody actually speaks like that. You don't want to speak like that. So I'd say definitely write how you talk. And that's a great way to let people connect with you on a real level. If you are sassy, your headline should be sassy. If you are have an absolute deadpan kind of way about you, awesome. You can market that. Um, and that's what just makes people really believe you. Um, whereas when you do try to be someone else, everybody can smell that. Everybody knows that. So I would say um, definitely uh, just let your personality come through, write like you talk, and be specific. Be painstakingly specific. Uh, details are interesting. General, general kind of talk is boring, and people will forget you. So those are my two things. <laughs> do, do, do you want to address any of that, Corey? Well, so I'm just going to first say, do you agree there's a difference between proper grammar and proper punctuation? Yeah, I believe in proper punctuation. Okay. <laughs> but, I, but I'm an anti-quotations and period girl. I don't know why. It makes me angry to put periods on the end of every single little sentence in captions on, on Instagram. Like, I hate that. I think they have their time and place. Um, I think social media breaks a lot of rules, and that's all right. Yeah, and there's definitely a... Uh a different voice that you would use depending upon the medium. Yeah. Um, and Julie and I always have this conversation because I'm all about grammar, proper grammar, proper punctuation. Julie just makes things up as she goes. And <laughs> I do. What, what, I one do. of the things I, I remember, I can't remember who it was. One of my English teachers in school, uh, she said, basically, anything that comes out of your mouth, you can punctuate properly. It might not be grammatically correct, but you can put proper punctuation on any any string of sentences that comes out of your mouth. Okay. Um, and so that's one thing that really stuck with me is that, yeah, you can write like you talk, but you still need to put the punctuation in the proper place. And I'm a big fan of the Oxford comma. I don't know about you. But... Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I like yeah. the Oxford comma. I can get behind that. So, and Amanda, just, you know, for your own, you know, education, and many of our listeners already know this about us, like we... We pretty much team up on everything we write, right? If Pat, I would say 90, 95% of everything we write passes through both of us, right? So either I write it, he edits, or he writes and I edit. Mm -hmm. And um, there will be times when I will write something and he will literally, we do everything on in Google, Google Drive, right? And he will put a comment on that Google Doc. You didn't even try on this one. Like you didn't even try. Yeah. Or did you have a stroke? Like I don't- Rude. <laughs> You don't, you don't follow the Hemingway rule of write drunk, edit sober? <laughs> no, but I like that. I, I, I don't even think I've ever heard that before. Oh, but I, I, um, I have very bad grammatical habits. Very bad. I, don't, I just think every time when you're reading, if you read something out loud and you pause, mm -hmm. there should be a comma there. That is apparently not true. That is not true. Also, That's a lot of commas. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for instance, I was editing one thing today, and it was uh, is something I wrote. Yeah, and she put a comma where there should have been a period because the way the comma was in there, it looked like you were addressing tomorrow. Oh, I know what as it was. a person. What are you waiting for, <laughs> comma tomorrow? Yeah, what are you waiting for tomorrow? <laughs> it's like no, what are you waiting oh, for no. tomorrow? Like oh, two different two different things. Yeah, so, I noticed that you put question mark behind the first one. Yeah. 
I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what I was doing during third grade, but honestly, it's all right. I was homeschooled and raised in a cult. So like it's whenever there's a mess up, I usually just blame. I was homeschooled. Like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> mom, mom. Yeah, I went to public school. That's the problem. I went to public oh, okay. school. <laughs> that's good stuff. So that's a, um, that's a good, good tip though. And I like the, um, I like the concept of writing like you talk. Um, Corey writes like a robot. So a lot of times when he writes first, I'll have to add in emotion or sometimes they write like he's angry. I'm like, what are you mad at? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, I, I don't know. It's so, I think it's so important to have really good written copy. And I think, I think the hardest copy to write to get to really get, draw people in is email copy because we get so many emails that you're just like, eh. I don't want to read it. No care. Yeah, The email world has definitely become oversaturated more recently. And now it's the online course world where like everybody has a course and it's like, Oh God, like, here we go again. But, um, and I know there was a, a shift and a push to text texting uh, marketing where you, you could sign up to be some part of someone's text community. And so that was a new way. And so it's, I mean, it, if you write good, it'll convert. You I know, and if you being write, part of a text marketing community sounds awful. It's horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, I I am not a big fan of texting, and every once in a while, like a business I've some business I've I've purchased from or whatever, they'll send me a text, be like, mm -hmm. "Hey, check this out." I'm like, "Yes, he's never getting my business ever again." Oh, you instantly feel violated. Yeah. Instantly. yeah. <laughs> Stop texting me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the whole point with emails is to just create a conversation like you're creating an ongoing conversation so I would address it like you're sitting at a coffee shop with someone and you guys should start talking in line like that's how that should flow and you should be able to paint a picture with your words so what I do a lot is I envision me interacting with that human in my mind and then I observe the details and I write from there I observe and then I write what I see and write what happens. So it, it becomes a very uh, visual, emotional experience and I should be able to make a movie scene from it. Uh, so that's how I try to engage in the most realistic way uh, in my mind's eye. And then I write from that place. Nice, nice, I like that. What's your favorite part of being a entrepreneur, business owner, solopreneur, whatever you wanna call it? I'm making my own luck. I love it. Uh, I can I can make as much money as I want to. I can put in as much effort as I want to. Um, I'm responsible for me and how good my work is or is not. And I love that. I love betting on myself um, and running my own life. It's it's after working for government agencies for so so long. It is such a huge breath of fresh air. So recently, I've been in the hospital for the past couple of weeks, like three or four different times with kidney issues but I still ran my business from the hospital room. Like how, how awesome is that? And then one day I had to sleep for 48 hours. So I slept for 48 hours and then I came right back into my business, not skipping a beat, not having a boss yelling at me because I was out. Um, it's just total freedom. It's, it's nice. a real deal, man. I love it. Well, I would be remiss if I did not ask how you're feeling now. Is everything okay? Oh uh, yeah. They're just kidneys. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Also, you said, how awesome is that? I'm working from the hospital. I'm like, that doesn't sound awesome at all. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I know. Um, 
I, I do know from prior conversations with you that one thing that you're really good at is setting boundaries with your clients. And I love that. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's really important when you own your own business and you're dealing with people and setting boundaries. So I, I, and I think there's a lot of people who could benefit from improving in that area. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get into the mindset of, I have to be available to my clients 24 seven because the competition and blah, 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 blah. And that's not true at all. If, as any human, if you make yourself available to another human 24 seven, that's burnout, easy peasy. And I think my years of social work has taught me a lot of great boundary tools and understanding my limits as a human being <laughs> and when and when not to work. So something that I do often is, you know, clients always email after hours, of course, they always email during the weekend and being a creative person, I work super weird hours. So if I feel like it's flowing and it's 1am and I'm, I'm in a good place, I'm going to write. Um, and if I receive an email during that time, I don't answer it in the moment. I schedule that email to, I write the email, but I schedule it to respond to them between nine to five during business hours, during business days. Um, so that way you're training your client and helping them manage their expectations for how communication with you should look. Uh, so that's just one thing that I do with clients. And I also provide weekly reports to my clients on Friday. And I tell them, you're going to get one no matter what, even if you don't want one, you're getting a weekly report so that it creates, a, it really protects the relationship, the business relationship. So they 100, 100% understand what I did for them that week. They can again manage their expectations really well. And they when the bill comes through, they're not like, what 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 did I pay you for? Like, can you explain to me where this price is coming from? No, because they've got a report every single week from me where I itemized everything out for them. So that's another really awesome tool that I found helps me stay in line and helps my client feel super safe in working with me. I like that. That's smart. That's smart. All right. Well, we have to, this has been so, so enjoyable and uh, filled with some laughter along the way, but we've got to start wrapping up. Um, can you tell our listeners how they can find you, Amanda? I basically live on Instagram. So you can find me um, at Amanda Cat. That's where I live. Or you can, uh, my, my uh, website is inkrico.com. All right, great. Well, thanks again for coming on and, and talking to us today. And thank you to all of our listeners. All the different ways that you can connect with Amanda will be in the show notes. Yes, and you can connect with us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we have a YouTube channel. You should follow us on all, all of those. Also, you can reach us on sbpace.com. And if you're out there on the internet, subscribe to our pod on whatever uh, platform you use to listen to podcasts. Like us, give us a review, tell us how we're doing. We love feedback. We do, we really love feedback. You can reach out to us about topics as well. If there's something you wanna hear about and we haven't already covered it on the show or even if we have, shoot us a note. You can contact us on our website and we will gladly cover that topic for you. And hey, did we mention that we wrote a bestseller? It's on Amazon. It's called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. And it comes with a companion workbook. So go buy it. 
And after you buy it and read it, give us a review on the book as well. We appreciate any and all feedback on the book. So go out there to Amazon and let us know what you thought of the book. But that's it for today's podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.